Hey now, hey now, hey now. Welcome in. Welcome in. And guess what time it is? That's right. It's porch time. And I, I'm Miss McKinney. Thank you all for continuing to listen. Thank you all for continuing to support from whatever platform that may be. But I do hope that it is Anchor. So Anchor has everything you need to make a podcast in one place and it is absolutely free. So if you have words that you want to get out there, a small business, maybe even um, where you want to get your product out there, uh, definitely if you're an online business, this could be the thing for you. Um, run on out to Anchor FM. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Download the app and get started today. Thank you all again. Um, for your continued support. We are rolling strong with the I Am series, and I appreciate each and every one of you who have already been on the porch or who have already recorded your episode with me. Each and every one of you classify as interesting listening, and don't let anybody else tell you different. If you would like to participate and be on the porch with me to record a virtual episode. Please reach out to me at missporch2020 at gmail.com. That's missporch2020 at gmail, gmail.com. Let's set up your episode. Um, get you out there. Get you started. Let everyone hear your words from the porch. What else we got going on? So we are going to have a mommy and daddy series or a mom and dad series, or I can't think of any other snazzy combina combinations for mommy and daddy right now. Um, but we're going to have that series, and it's going to kick off at the end of February. Um, hopefully in the last two weeks, but definitely in that last week, we're going to kick that series off. We already have an exciting roster of interesting listening moms and dads but i'd like some more um, my goal is to do 20 of each and um, we're just a little bit shy on both sides of that so if you're interested in participating in this um, phenomenal series that will allow you to tell us about um, some of your birth stories being a mama being a daddy um, from the porch um, again, it is recorded uh, for your family, for your kids, for your great grandkids to hear in the future because we know technology is moving in a way um, that will surprise us all. So if you want to make a memory, Mirandize, I think is what I was trying to say, your memory with me on the porch, I would love to have you reach out to me at Miss Porch. 2020 at gmail.com. What kinds of questions? So one of the questions um, that I'm going to ask, because I already have my questions for my mamas, that was no brainers, is how did you feel when you found out that you were pregnant? Did you cry? Did you faint? Were you excited? Um, and then I share with them that when I found out I was pregnant, when I accepted excuse me, that I was pregnant, I was four months along in the ER with the flu. So when this man tells me that not only am I pregnant, but I have the flu, <clears throat> excuse me, and he's not going to do anything for me, I look him dead in his eyes and say, what good are you to me? And I meant that. <laughs> 
What other questions um, did I ask? I asked the question, was there any extraordinary birth questions, labor questions, I mean, labor stories that you would like to share? So mine was, he needed to come a little bit more to the left to come out the birth canal. And it was my first birth and my only birth thus far. And they wanted to, um, for me to have it natural because that's, that's what doctors prefer for you to do is to have the baby naturally. However, I said he needed to come more to the left and he was laying on his umbilical cord. So um, he's looking at the monitor. He's got his hand on my belly and he's looking at me and they haven't given me the epidural yet. And so I say to him, I've never worn a bikini and I don't have to start now. And in to the um, operating room. <laughs> We went. I want to hear all those stories. I want to hear all those good stories. So again, if you want to share those with us, with everyone, with all the fabulous listeners on the porch, California, South Dakota, Michigan, thank you all. Then reach out to me, Miss Porch Twenty Twenty, at gmail dot com because we are going to keep the interest in listening coming. And tonight is no different than any other. Um, we have a very interesting gentleman on the porch, uh, Mr. Travis Bell of Bell Legacy Stables. Um, this young man is a radiologist, <clears throat> but he also breeds horses and bully terriers. So if you'll tune in, um, hear a little bit of our conversation about everything that's going on at Bell Legacy Stables. Tune in. Hey now, hey now, hey now. Welcome in. Welcome in. Can you hear us okay? Yes, I can hear you. Sorry about the uh, delay. That was some uh, technical difficulties. That's all right. You are a busy man. Thank you for joining us on the porch. How's your day been so far? Uh, it's been good. Uh, you know, it's long but good. No real complaints, you know. Excellent, excellent. And again, I want to keep telling you thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, about myself, well, <clears throat> uh, I guess we can start with, I guess what piqued your interest, uh, I'm a horse owner, actually I got a few pets, you hear them in the background, so, uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know if this was going to be visual or not, so I said, you know what, I'm going to do it out here in my, in my stables, out of my barn, just in case it's visual, that way, you know, you get to see them, but. <laughs> Excellent. Um, keep that in mind. If you have some more time, maybe we could do a live um, sometime so we can see our horses. But yes, that is absolutely why I wanted to have you on the porch. I think it is awesome um, that you are a horse breeder and a bully breeder. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Horses and dogs were bullies um, for now. That'll probably be the only two things I do for a good while. <laughs> so what those made my, you get started? I'm sorry, um, say that again. I said horses and dogs are actually my favorite animals. So, you know, I've, I've always wanted to own both of them. And I've actually had, I guess, you know, kind of getting to what you just asked me. I've always had dogs since I was a kid. I just was never able to kind of have them how I wanted them, you know, growing up, how I did. And not much money in the household, not much income. So you kind of make do with what you got. So I was actually had the idea of breeding when I was uh, breeding dogs, when I was about eight years old. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, I was watching a dog show with my mom. And uh, back when they used to show the dog shows on TV, and I was like, man, you know, what if we did pit bulls like that? And my mom was like, that'll never work. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, people don't look at dogs like that. You know, she didn't know better. She was just going off the typical stick. Fast forward 30 years, and this, it actually go fast forward about, I'm going to say 15 years, and it was one of the number one breeder breeding dogs and selling dogs. They were real popular, and it just kind of took off from there, so. But with the horses, uh, I got into horses. Let me see. I was about, mm, this is a good question. I started riding with my papa. Uh, he was the first person I had ever seen with a horse. I think I was about seven or eight. And, uh, you know, he was like, you want to ride? I was like, yeah. So you know, he threw me up there with him. And then I'm a real fast learner. I'm one of those people I like to do everything on my own, even when I was a kid. So I was like, I want to ride by myself. He was like, all right. <laughs> so he put me in the saddle. He was like, you know, show me what to do. And that was my first kind of little exposure to it. And from that point on, I was hooked. But I stayed far away from where my grandfather stayed, you know. So I didn't have that kind of access to him like I wanted. But I always said, you know, when I get older, when I grow up, I want to have my own horses. I want to have saturated horses and da-da-da-da-da. And when I became adult, I still had that dream, but I was – I have so many other different hobbies that I'm involved with as well. So, you know, I was out on the motorcycles and all that, but whenever I could get a chance, I would go ride horses with my papa. And uh, I had one out there. So when he passed, well, let me back up. He had at one point, like, Jesus, 18 to 20 horses. And what he would always say is he would say, uh, everybody asked him, like, why you got so many horses? He said, I got one for each grandkid. (laughs) Nobody else would go ride, but I would actually go ride. And uh, long story short, you know, I don't want to babble too much. But uh, when my grandfather passed, uh, his wife was just selling the horses off. You know, she's just trying to get the money. She didn't really care about the horses like that. She's looking for, you know, money, make sure she has money. And I wasn't too cool with that. So although the horses should have been mine anyway, and one of them was actually mine to begin with, she didn't want to just give them to me. So I was like, well, I'll tell you what, since you're going to sell them, I'll just buy them. And I bought two. There was actually, what, five left? I bought two, and nobody was buying the others, and they were just getting, you know, worse. They were just bad off, you know, not really getting fed, and they just looked horrible. All of them did, actually. And uh, so I said, you know what, I'll take the other two. I sold one to my boy. I kept the other, and it just kind of went from there, and, it just turned into a whole nother thing from there. <laughs> so you, you've always been a natural when it came to the horses and dogs or both? Uh, well, what do you mean by natural? It just comes easy to you. Almost like they can speak to you and tell you what they need to, <laughs> to get along. Like you, you have a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A good relationship with both of those animals. To be honest with you, I've never looked at it like that, but everybody else tells me that they're yeah. like, man, you got away with them. Like, this is you. Like, even my dogs, you know, before I had the horses, you know, people would be like, hey, man, can you train my dog for me? And I'm like, man, I don't have time to train your dog. I run an imaging clinic, you know? They're like, man, I see you do stuff with your dog. I don't see most bullies do and this and that. And I don't ever look at it like that. So, you know, when people tell me that, I just kind of say, okay, thank you, you know? But I've never seen it like that. But 
more people say it, I guess. I mean, it's cool. Which, you know, that's kind of, it's funny because that's kind of how I got into training horses too because, you know, I was running into people who would have horses they couldn't do anything with mm-hmm. or people couldn't even get close to them. And uh, matter of fact, I just went and looked at one Saturday. I'm, I'm, he's going to be here in, probably next weekend. And uh, I go out there and I don't know much, but whatever I know works. So I go out there and do what I do, and they just kind of take to me. And they're like, man, can't nobody even get close to that horse. You walk right up on them in five seconds. I'm like, yeah, I guess. So if I got that gift, I mean, you know, I guess somebody else sent it to me. <laughs> but I don't yeah. I don't consider it that. I'm just doing what I love. I just love them. Animals to me, especially horses, animals, um, horses are all about – horses and dogs to me are – the most purest form of unconditional love. Like, in my opinion, that's what the term was. If you want to define that term, you look at dogs and horses, especially. Mm-hmm. Especially, that's that's what I feel like God or whatever your whoever you know, the higher power. I think that's what the definition of unconditional love is, because they feed off of your energy, and you know, with dogs, especially dogs, horses not so much, but dogs. I mean, if you take care of a dog, a dog will stick by your side forever. I don't care what you, what you're doing; it'll stick by you. I mean, you see homeless people with dogs. You don't see homeless people with cats. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? A cat will leave you, go do his own thing, go find his own food. A dog will sit there and starve to death right with you. Y'all will die together. That's the truth, right? I do not know. I do. I've never had a cat, but um, I do like dogs. And you're right; it does take a special spirit. Um, to be able to deal with animals. So yes, it is a gift and you should embrace it. Um, what has been your biggest challenge? Has it been mental or physical or any? Have you had any challenges with um, the breeding and moving forward with what your thoughts are or what you wanted to do? My biggest challenge? Um, patience. Uh, I, my mind goes at 100 miles per hour, so I'm a real go-getter type of person. When I want something, I want it like now. I want to make it happen. So if I set my sights on, oh, you know, I want to do this, you know, I immediately start trying to research and figure it out. And unfortunately, life doesn't move as fast as I move sometimes. So things don't always fall into place when I want them to. And it gets frustrating, you know. Yeah. It gets frustrating. But the physical part, nah, that's... That's a piece of cake. I don't I don't mind doing anything. Everybody says it's work, but I love it. Like I come out here and clean these stalls, feed these horses. I mean, I got eight horses now. And I've got two out here for training. And I don't mind that part at all. The work of it is relaxing for me. You know. It's just another workout. You know, I go to the gym, then I come do this too. So it's just another workout for me. Uh mentally, um, it's not really challenging. It can get it can get stressful at times. And actually, yeah, it can get very stressful. The horses, I was pretty stressed out about two years ago because, you know, the DFW was getting a, the most rain they had ever had in like what fifty years or something like that. And uh, that was twenty eighteen, no twenty nineteen, excuse me. And uh, <clears throat> the, the the stalls that I were leasing, they're flooding out, mm-hmm. so my horses were standing in water and. Up to up to the ankles in water, and that's not good because horses, you know, they're on their feet all the time. So you don't want their feet to be sitting in water and get like that because they'll get bad and they can they can't walk and they can die. 
Right. So, you know, I was, the more it rained, I was like, God dang, you know, all this rain. So they're just standing in the mud. I'm stressing. So they're dropping their weight and everything because they can't move around. So I'm moving them from location to location. And I go every day. I'm I'm in knee-high, I'm in knee-high mud trying to move them and this and that. And <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was a long two-month period. And then I had to move a couple of them way out about an hour away just so they can have a better place to stand. So I had three out there and two in another location, which was an hour another direction. <laughs> I mean, that that was the most challenging part. I you bet. Know. Yeah, because, you know, you know, it's kind of like having kids. You know, they're your responsibility. So if you're not doing your best behind them, it makes me feel bad. Like, man, I, you know, I suck as an owner. I got to do something like this. So that yeah. would be... And again, that's part of that special <laughs> um, gift and spirit um that you have when you say you train them what are you training them to do uh i get horses i mean especially the ones i said i breed i breed so when i have a coat you know they don't know anything so from the time they're born till i've broke them and saddle them and teach them how to ride i mean i do all the basics uh with my stud i teach him a, a few more other little things just because everybody takes to him a lot they like how he looks so i've been kind of teaching him some little different moves and stuff so I can kind of show off with them, showcase them a little bit when I ride them and stuff. But That's the main thing, just training them, you know, how to be uh, good horses, I guess you can say. Like right now, they're all eating. They're kind of quiet for the most part. Nobody's fighting or anything. <laughs> you know, you got, I mean, they're blank slate, so you got to teach them everything. Everything you see people doing with them, they don't learn that. I mean, they don't come doing that. You have to teach them. Even riding them, you got to teach them how to sit in the right gate so that they're not a rough ride so you can actually enjoy your ride and not get you know bouncing all over the place teach them not to buck you off I mean all of that he said hello hello back <laughs> <laughs> look at them they all speaking now okay and so when you're doing the breeding is there anything because you have the studs that means you're looking for the female right humor me because you know we don't all know everything about breeding that means um, you're always looking for the female or the females look for you? I got both, actually. So it just okay. depends on, um, sorry, it just depends on which horse I'm trying to breed at the time. Uh, I have a mare over here. She has two of the top bloodlines in Tennessee walking horses. So she's right. registered and has papers and all that. And her brother, which all of this is kind of like just talk, but her brother is a world grand champion show horse. So okay. I received her as a gift. So I've been trying to breed her to my cousin's horse, who's a big, he has a big, pretty, uh, we call it a paint. It's a black and white horse. And he's registered. I just like the way he looks. I like the way he moves. I like his posture. I like his confirmation. So I was like, yo, I want to breed those two. So because he's registered and she's registered, I chose him over my stud. Just because I want that paper bloodline you know, when the when the coat is born. As far as the other horses, it's just what I think is the best look, I mean, the best fit. Okay. So uh, my stud that's here, or two of my studs, the oldest stud, he's the son of one of my mares, so that's her son. And then his son is the other stud, so I kind of got a little family, <laughs> family over here. So can you breed the mother with her sons? Do you do that? I don't do line. That's line breeding. A lot of people do that with dogs and horses and stuff. I don't do that. I personally, I mean, I, I understand the method. And I understand the reason for it. 
but personally, I'd rather try to find whatever bloodline on another horse that I like that I think will, you know, complement my horse and just do it like that. A lot of people do line breeding because they're trying to lock in certain characteristics and traits. So you see them do it with dogs and stuff like that, but I don't, nah. I'd rather just shop around and be patient. Just find, find what I'm, look what I'm, you know, find what I'm looking for and go from there. And then I know we talked a little bit about um, you have a fake horse um, that you can use for um, collection when you're, um, right, I guess, when right. you've sold out your stud, if that's the way you say it. <laughs> well, not me, but there's people that do. Uh, it, it really just depends on a person's setup. So some of the big time breeders, uh, they don't do live coverage for numerous reasons. Some people are real picky about who their horse breeds with, so they don't want to pass any possible uh, bacteria or diseases or anything, you know, between the horses on the live coverage. So live coverage meaning, you know, the horses breed naturally. So uh, a lot of people do a AI, which is artificial insemination. And the way they collect the semen from the stud is they have a, it's called a, it's called a fake horse, but it's it's more like, I don't even know what to describe it. It's just basically a big structure <laughs> that they put up and they bring a mare over. So when the horse tried to mount the mare, they move the mare out the way and he gets on top of the structure of the fake horse. And some people dress their fake horse up, but, you know, to look like a real horse. <laughs> I was about to say, does that really trick the horse when you move it out, when you move the real one out the way? Does he really not know the difference? Let me tell you something. We, us humans, we have watered down <laughs> the natural humans have a conscience. So our brains work a little different than most animals. When nature takes over, nature takes over. <laughs> you hear me? I mean, it don't take much. Even with a dog. Like with a dog, you can just put the girl, the mare, um, excuse me, the, the term that they use yes. for a female dog. <laughs> you can put the girl dog, I'm not going to say it. Like you put the girl dog in front of the male while she's in heat. I mean, and he he doesn't care if he doesn't know any better. He'll be trying to get her from the side. He'll be all in the wrong spots, all in her nose. And <laughs> hey, he's just trying to hear whatever he can get. So, so it's, it's natural. It's natural. He he his body that took over. He's not even in. He's not even even penetrating anything. But he's like, you know what? I'm humping this air and I'm doing what I'm doing. Like he's trying. So it doesn't take much. You know, you just put on. You know. If somebody's collected from a dog like that, they might put on a glove and put on a little collection tube and there you go. They just sit down there and let the dog do his thing in his hand and boom, you got it. With a horse, it's like that, but on a bigger scale. So once that horse mounts up to whatever he thinks is in front of him, you know, sometimes, like I said, they put a cover over it to kind of hide it and make it look like a real horse. <laughs> hey, he, he's he's just looking for the, you know, he's just feeling from that point. And right. once he feels that opening and, it, you know, he he's doing what he does and at that point, you just sit there and wait till you finish, and you're going to collect it right there. And then they take and that. And I did. I'm sorry, go ahead. They take that. They, you know, it's kind of like the old, um, I forgot what show that was, but with the turkey baster, same situation. They take it, go right to the female, inject it. There you go. Put it right where it's supposed to go, and she's good. Hopefully, she's good if they catch. Wow. Yeah. And so I did hear you say that... Um, you don't do the horse on horse because I guess there's like a super horse gonorrhea out there that you don't want to pass. <laughs> I don't mind doing live coverages on my horses, but I do pay attention to 
Like I'm always the clean. See, see a lot of people. See, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like that. <laughs> I've had, okay. had to learn the hard way that everybody doesn't take care of their pets the same. Yes. So, you know, while I'm in the vet and I get my horses clean, and you know, for example, I got a mare that I'm taking in uh, this Saturday, and she's one of my newest horses, and she's gonna get. She, well, she's already got her test, so she's going to get cleaned out for endometriosis and whatever all the bacteria she has. She's going to get all that cleaned out so she can be ready to breed in spring. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just say, oh, I'm going to just give her a penicillin shot or I don't know why she's not taking it. So they just, oh, she can't be ready. You know, they, they don't put forth the effort. They don't want to spend the money, which is understandable, but they don't put forth the effort. They'll just blow it off or, you know, they'll try to force something to happen. You know, just like a lot of people don't take their studs to get their sheets clean, you know? So if I see, if I take my mare to somebody and, you know, when he's uh, a wreck and he doesn't look like he's been clean lately and he's, you know, his stuff doesn't, you know, he's, he's looking dirty. I'm like, nah, hold on, bro. Nah, hold on. <laughs> like, nah, I'm good on that. I like my horses a certain kind of way. So everybody doesn't do their horses that way. That's why it's best to have your own stock for what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, it gets expensive. I mean, horses aren't cheap. Well, the, the care is not cheap, so it can get expensive. And so I he's bet got because you have multiple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It didn't. I didn't plan on that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, happened. what has COVID um, done for you guys? Has it been uh, any type COVID. of issue? Has it been a? Yeah. An... It's um. Well, of course, the vet visits are different now. Uh, it's, it's it's made things harder if you're not as organized. The vet visits, for example, they don't take as many people now, so they don't they don't take walk-ins anymore on the day that I used to go. And as you said earlier, I'm busy, so I only got one day where I can go, which is Saturday. But they don't take walk-ins anymore, so you have to plan your appointments ahead of time, which that's cool too. But they only have limited space. You see what I'm saying? So the vet visits are different. And of course, uh, ironically, a lot of the the horse medications and the dewormers they sold out like quick, like within the first, I want to say the first few weeks of COVID going crazy. Mm-hmm. Everybody went and bought up all of the dewormers because they were scared the animals were going to get the coronavirus. I wasn't worried about that because I was like, well, we haven't been getting that many reports of animals, but sure enough, people's pets and stuff were supposedly getting them like there's been a report that a monkey and a dog got it how i don't know <laughs> whatever so as for me it didn't affect me too much but it did make you know i had to say okay we kind of got a plan ahead but other than that oh and of course when you go to the feeds like everything's just slower now just 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 like everything else when you go to the feed store there's only two in there at a time so you kind of got to sit around and wait for a while and uh, a lot of the rides, I will say this, a lot of rides that we normally go to, they were shut down for the first, actually a lot of them are shut down altogether, especially the real big trail rides. Mm-hmm. But from spring to midsummer, a lot of people were just shutting their rides down altogether. So there wasn't as many trail rides to go to. And the city or the sheriff in the county were coming out there shutting them down too, like right in the middle of them. Oh, wow. So a lot of uh, trail rider clubs lost some money last year because you know they look they look forward to those events. They mm-hmm. you know that's a big thing for them. So a lot of them lost money and that kind of stuff. 
And so I would love to participate in a trail ride. Um, I'm going to be stalking your page, seeing if you post anything about some rides that I can go and, and jump into or watch if I don't, <laughs> if I don't get up enough nerve to actually ride. So what are your future goals for what you're doing? Are you going to keep going with the horses? Um, keep going with the dogs? Are you going to throw in some cats? Like what are your, <laughs> what are your future goals? Well, kind of funny what you just said about the rides. Um, Take a little sip here. Sorry. Uh, I'm actually, I've had quite a people ask me to teach them how to ride. And, you know, I used to be a personal trainer as well. So I've been teaching people quite a few things <laughs> for a while. <laughs> and uh, even with my job. So uh, I told them, I told some people, I said, you know what? I'm going to come up with some riding lesson packages. And I'm, I might, I don't know yet, but I might. Depending on how well somebody rides, I might say, okay, you know, if you want to check out a trail ride, maybe I'll come up with something for that. So that's one thing. Um, of course, like I said, I never planned on it becoming what it has. So I'm going to just kind of let the, I'm going to let it go where it goes. If the breeding takes off and, and the horse training takes off, that's fine too. Um, I'm actually in the market for another pup right now so I can kind of get back to breeding my dogs more get more of that going. Uh, another thing with the horses, which I've been thinking about doing, is now that I've got my own setup, my own, you know, barn and stables in there, or I call it stables, that's just a cute little name for it. But, uh, I've been thinking about doing more of the equine therapy or getting some kind of programs going. I don't like to talk about it too much because, you know, I just like to play my cards right, but I've been thinking about doing equine therapy and I really want to get some programs going for the, uh, for our youth, man, I feel like, Greatness. you know, if you can get, if I can get, like, I didn't have any big brothers or anything like that growing up, not really. So I'm like, you know, and I know it's a lot of, uh, you know, children out there that don't have fathers and stuff, or their fathers aren't around, or male role models or whatever. So I'm like, you know, to keep, if I'd have had this avenue when I was younger, I might not have gotten into some of the trouble I got into. So mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe I can figure out a way to where I can get people out here and have some kind of program, you know, just get them involved to where their, their interest and their focus goes to something else besides video games and, you know, things out there that are just going to get them in trouble. I mean, we've got so many distractions out here as it is, and we've got so much, so much stuff going on in the world. I mean, even with now, just the last few days, with the last week, the elections and everything, it's just so much. So, you know, even if it's just a program to kind of, be a gateway out of their stress or just give them something, you know, to look forward to and maybe take a step further when they get older. So, you know, who knows? I'm just going to kind of do as much as I can because I love it. I love it. And I'm pretty sure other people, if they get exposed to it, they'll love it too. And you know what? In talking to you, you can tell how much you love it. So I'm, I'm happy for you that you get to do um, what you enjoy doing and how awesome it is that you want to, um, share that with other people. So I also want to give you a chance to, I've been giving everyone a chance to speak on the platform of what's been going on in the world. Um, if there's anything that you wanted to talk about, you just brought up the elections. Um, I know we've talked about George Floyd. We've talked about Breonna Taylor. Is there anything that you want to get off your chest? This is your platform, <laughs> your time for that. Oh, <laughs> it's best I don't speak too much on that. Okay. I, understand. I, will, I, I, will, I, that. I mean, I, I, I can get a bit uh, passionate 
And the, the, the thing about it is this, you know, I, I believe everybody knows the difference between right and wrong. I'm one of those people, I spent my whole life, you know, looking for the good in people and things of that nature. So when I see people, what I used to be, when I would see people intentionally do something wrong, I would say, okay, something's going on with them or they're just being, you know, mean or malicious or they don't know any better. Then I got to realizing, well, the same way we're raised to think a certain way, other people are raised to think a certain way as well. And that's cool, but that only goes so far. Once you reach, you know, adulthood, you can choose to think, believe, and carry yourself however you want to. So it's a lot going on in the world. I mean, it's it's we're no strangers to it. You know, it's been going on since before our time. It's been going on since slavery. Mm-hmm. You know, so I feel like the racism. It's not that it's worse. It's been brought to surface because a certain individual made people feel comfortable to do so. <laughs> so at this point, it's kind of like, man, we need to really refocus um, our agenda. I feel like we waste a lot of time just on stuff that doesn't matter. I mean, you could take something as simple as, I mean, social media is such an amazing platform, you know, but we use it for things that don't matter, that are irrelevant. Yeah, I understand entertainment, but we could just put that energy in with the social media platform. We could do so much more. We could do so much more. I just feel like there's so much, there's so much knowledge and out there and we're such we're so smart and we could be sharing that knowledge and, and just really growing and just really turning our culture around and turning you know our future i'm gonna say turn our future around the reason why i say that is because i feel we're headed a certain way and i feel we could change that if we could ever just get on the same page and you know that's already going to be hard because not only is there a racial divide there's a gender divide within our culture by itself you know, we're, we're so busy fighting each other. And, you know, and it, uh, it's understandable. We all suffer from PTSD from our <laughs> childhoods. No, I'm serious. Think about it. From our childhoods, from our upbringing, from things we've seen, you know, I feel like Black people especially have been exposed to things as kids or just throughout their, you know, childhood and <clears throat> adolescence and teenage years that a lot of people don't have to be exposed to. And I think since it's done on such a large scale and, you know, that it affects all of us differently, but the same. And I say that because if you have a lot of people that went through the same thing, it becomes normal, but it's not normal. But if they think it's normal, they don't see a problem with it. Therefore they teach the people around them and after them to do the same thing. You see what I'm saying? I do. And I so. absolutely agree. Um, a couple of things that I've been wanting to say, but I've been letting you finish. I've been working on um, interrupting. That's a, <laughs> that's not a strong suit of mine. Or I'm not interrupting is is not a strong suit of mine. Um, hurt people hurt people. And there's no race that um, tells us, you know, there's no race that conforms to that. Hurt people um, absolutely hurt people. And within our own community, we need to do some healing we need to do some studying um, like the Bible tells us to study and show ourselves approved so that we do know um, not just the basic black and white right from wrong, but we, you know, we know what's in those bills that we're voting for. We know what that candidate stands for. We know um, everything as opposed to just going along with the motions because that's what we've done for so long. So I totally 
Um, absolutely agree with you there and kudos, double kudos, actually. Um, so I also want to ask you, I'm sorry, did you have any more to say? I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. Like you said, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. Just take it one more step further. You know, confused people are confused. You know, hurt, mm -hmm. uh, lost people, you know, pointing other people in the wrong direction. I mean, it's all under that same umbrella. And I feel like we've been doing that for so long, especially... Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the 80s. I'm going to say the 80s, and I say that because the music and the movies, you know, the exploitation and stuff like that, that's the stuff that was meant for entertainment started becoming a way of life. That's, mm -hmm. the parents weren't, you know, teaching that, hey, this is just for entertainment, and people can't differentiate between the two. That's where the reality and fantasy becomes a blurry line, and here we are where we are today. So basically what used to be considered bad is now considered normal or good. And yes. what used to be considered good is now considered uh, bad. And that's backwards. So, yes. to tell, but the problem is the majority thinks that. Yes. So when you're in the minority trying to speak something to the majority, now you're the problem. Yes. <laughs> so, I, I agree with that. All I can say is yes. I'm sitting here shaking my head going yes. yes. So, you know, mm -hmm. I know, I know that was a big full circle of words, but the point I'm making is that. <laughs> Until we get a lot enough people from that minority to come together and teach everybody else that, hey, this is what we need to be doing. We're going to continue fighting each other. And the more we fight each other, the more we're going to be left behind because we are definitely behind. Although we have the power to be so far ahead. That's no, what frustrates me the most. We have yes. the power. Everybody knows we have the power but us. Every other culture knows we are the ones except for us. Well, I think that we know. I think that we know, but we are busy with um, maybe upset if this person gets a couple of steps ahead before us or yeah. if they thought of a better way to do it and didn't share or vice versa. So there's there's a lot going on within and yeah. that I would love to see us fix as a whole. And then after that, it's, you know, <laughs> like and you, you know, said, it is what it is. We do definitely have power, strong, strong people. The sad part is, 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 it's on a big scale, on a large scale, and it trickles down to something simple as my hobbies. Like, what's, you'd be surprised how, like, what I'm doing right now, like, if a person asks me questions, I have no problem. Oh, it's what you do. If somebody asks me for a tip, I have no problem telling them. But I'm in numerous horse groups on Facebook, and just being out, when you're just out in the community, we don't want to tell anybody anything. I've got <laughs> some of my best information from, from other people, and I hate that. I'm like, hey, why do white people in the Hispanic, you know? This white man that don't know nothing about me, he wanted to help me out and tell me something. But my homeboy or this dude that I see, you know, one of us, he don't want to tell me nothing. Like, I hate that. I hate that competition. We compete in so many things. We just need to come together. We do. And if we did, it would be different. And everything you just said, I just had this conversation with my son um, last night. So, again, I'm sitting here shaking my head. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. Very good stuff. So um, my last question is, well, I've been asking everyone, what would you tell the younger Mr. Bell from the porch tonight? <laughs> I know you can't really minimize it. It's so much that we've learned that we would tell the younger our, you know, tell our younger selves if we could. But that aha moment, the one that you really think would have changed the game early on. What's that message? Man, that's a good question. Uh, that's a you're good. That's a very 
very good question. Um, what if, if I'm going to say is pertaining to what we've spoken about on the porch, I'd say, oh, man, I would have found a way to get into these horses more. Yeah, I definitely would have spent more time with my horses, with the horses and my papa. Although he was busy, he was doing his thing, but I would have found a way to dive into it way back then. Like, if there was a way I could have been doing this, you know, as a kid, more, like I'm doing it now and learned all this back then, I can't imagine where I'd be with it now. I mean, I might have been doing rodeo or I might have had my own, like all the time and money I was putting into other hobbies, I might have put it into this, which, you know, I'm not saying I want it that way, but I just know how many different opportunities could have come out of this if I'd have done it at a younger age, earlier age, because I still got a lot of living to do. So you got a lot more living to do. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm just getting started. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I have absolutely enjoyed talking to you tonight. Um, do you have any children? No, not yet. Not Seems yet. Oh, ladies, not yet, he said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I actually do want kids. I'm single, no kids. But I, if, it, if it was up to me, I mean, I'm 40 now. But if I wasn't 40, I'd have four or five of them. But if I can get two out the deal, a boy and a girl, I'm good. You're good. Okay. Right. Well, I hope that you get everything you hope for and then some. Again, I am going to be stalking your page because I want to ride. I want to see if I remember how to ride. <laughs> You wrote before, though, so that's a start. Yes, yes. Well, okay. thank you all so much for coming on the porch. Tell everybody over there good night um, for us. And again, well, thank, thank you. you so much. And thank you for first being patient, because like I said, I was having those technical difficulties. And just thank you for even wanting me on your, your podcast. I mean, I've seen you already had quite a few, and you talk about all kinds of things under the umbrella. So for me to... <laughs> For me to even pique your interest and you want me on. That's why when you first told me, I was like, what? Me? Like, okay. But well, no, nah, I, I remember really I did say that one of the things I thought was neat is that this is not typically something that African Americans do with the breeding right. of horses. And I right. thought that was excellent. Right. And you know what? Before I go, let me let me put this down. Uh African Americans with horses. For anybody that doesn't know, we were the original cowboys. Like we started this. A lot of people don't know that, but black people were the original cowboys. Really? So, yes. And the way it started is back when the uh, people would ride up the horses. The, the uh, you know, of course, we were slaves or whatnot, so we'd be the one to take the horse and take them away and get them ready and get them whatever. And they were also used to break horses because, of course, the other people didn't want to get hurt. So, you know, the black people get up there and go ride the wild horse. So, although a lot of other people haven't, you know, adopted the term cowboy, it was a derogatory term at first. So, it wasn't something that people were proud of. It was for blacks only. Was, That's the cowboy. He gets the horses. But now it became something totally different. It's taken off to a whole nother you know, another level. So I just want to put that out there before I get off. <laughs> Black people are the original cowboys. Dude, look it up and you'll see. Like, yeah. Yes, I'm gonna go look that story up now. Yeah, we're the originals, and, and there's a whole there's a whole lot of us out here. We're just not. Um, people don't know about us, you know. But we'll see. Especially if you go on them chair rides, it's gonna blow your mind. Like I'll send you a video and show you. But 
when you go and see all these people, you're going to be like, wow, I had no idea. And you got to understand, that's just in that city at that time. There's probably, mm, I don't know, in Texas, whenever there's one chair ride, there's probably five or six others going on in other cities. And uh, there's that's just the people going. You got to think about all the people that don't even attend chair rides. You know, we got black rodeos. You got black people. It's We're out here. <laughs> we're out here doing a lot. People just don't know. There's a whole black rodeo that comes to Dallas. There's two of them. There's a Cowboys of Color and a black rodeo that comes to Dallas. So, yeah, we, we do this. We're for real about it. And there's a lot of black. I mean, you know what? I'm going to sing something, too. You'd be surprised how many black women are in the rodeos competing. They do all this on their own. They're breeders. They're owners. I mean, you'd be surprised. So you'd is there surprised. a new hobby in this for me? <laughs> I mean, hey, all you got to do is have, you know, if you want to do it. And like I say, somebody let me can teach you. Absolutely. There was a ride we went to last weekend or a few weekends ago. A young lady pulled up with a Jeep <laughs> with a hitch on the back and a horse trailer. Oh, and wow. I was just like, okay. And she got out. She saddled up a horse and everything on her own. And she had one of the baddest horses out there. Nice. And she was all, you know, had a little matching outfit and everything. And I said, okay. That's it. That's what I'm talking about right there. I love, I, the love, game. <laughs> I love that. I was like, I love it. I love to see it. You know, we need more of y'all out here. All right. Well, let me get some boots and see what I can do. Come on. <laughs> Let me know when you're ready. I will. Thank you again, Mr. Bell, for coming on the porch. And I hope it won't be the last. Nah, I enjoyed this. Thank you for having me. All righty. Good night. Good night. And what did I tell you guys? We keep the interesting listening coming. Thank you so much, Mr. Bell, for hanging out with us on the porch. So you guys here, not only did we hear what was going on at the stables and get to hear some of them say hello and good night to us, um, but we also heard of a young man who is <clears throat> creating a legacy um, for himself. He learned these things from his papa, he told us, and he's going to keep it moving. So many of us are like that. So many of us have a legacy that's embedded in us that we want um, to get started. So thank you, Mr. Bell, again, for coming on the porch to not only share that, but the education behind the Black Cowboy and above all, encouraging us all to live out our legacy. You guys, thank you again for tuning in. It's not possible to have a successful podcast with over um, 475 downloads without listeners like you. So thank you again for tuning in and we will see you next time where, of course, on the porch.